All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Oh my goodness, we have an awesome episode in front of us today with Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Welcome back to the podcast, you two. Well, thanks, John. We're glad to be back on the podcast. It is good to be here with you. Well, and uh, folks, as you listen to this, um, this we are going to be talking about what Jim and Martha have built through I Work For Him and the ministry they've started and the incredible books that they've recently written that you're going to want to get your hands on. And if you enjoy this, please just share it with one person. That's all we're asking. Just share this episode, just forward it and share it with one person. But you guys, since we have talked, I mean, we talk all the time. Jim and I actually grew up in Burnsville, Minnesota. If you guys remember from last time uh, we talked, playing hockey on the exact same rink, but we were like in one neighborhood over. We went to the same middle school. John was just an okay hockey player. He could never get it in the net, though. No, I, I was. You know what? My favorite part about the hockey was getting to the warming house and taking off my skates because I got triple E with feet. And by the time we were done skating, my feet were completely numb and that had nothing to do with the cold. Oh, so man. I only went up there because in the middle of the winter in Minnesota, there's really nothing to do other than sledding or hockey. So I, <laughs> I wanted to go be with people. So I had to go play hockey. But you're right. I was not very good. <laughs> You're bad. I am bad. Sorry, John. Were you up there the day that we were playing with the frozen tennis ball instead of a puck? Yeah, no, no. I, whenever I was up there, I always played with a real puck and just said, no lifting, no lifting. Because the foam pucks never worked near as good. No, I think I still carry some scars in the lower part of my body from that day. That was that was a bad day. <laughs> but okay, so you guys, so give us all an update with what's been going on. I work for him. Your passion, what you're doing is really, how do we bring our faith into our work? And you guys are part of a movement. And I know that I was just talking with our friend Ford yesterday. You're you're involved in some big things that are happening nationally with this, but maybe give us an update on kind of what's happening in you, from your perspective and what you're seeing out there in the world on, on, you know, what God is doing right now. Okay, so what we're seeing is that across the country, there is the movement for encouraging Christ followers to live out their faith in the work is getting, it's growing each and every day because there are more and more resources available. In the last year, we've accumulated over 138 podcasts on the Awaken Podcast Network, awakenpodcastnetwork.com, all podcasts specifically aimed at encouraging people to live out their faith in their work. What we're seeing is that there's even some churches, some four walls churches that are catching on to the idea that they're not supposed to be building a little kingdom, but they're really supposed to be a manufacturing plant, manufacturing and producing Christ followers ready to go into their mission field on Monday. So we're seeing a huge move of God with only one central coordinating figure. And it's not, I work for him. I wish it was, but it's not. But the Holy Spirit of God seems to be raising up people across the country. What we have seen new in the last year and a half is that there's a move against, a move against, a move amongst Christ-following retirees who are going, what in the world is going on? What am I supposed to do with my retirement? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my retirement. I don't want to play golf anymore. I'm tired of tennis. I can only find so many seashells. They're looking for purpose in their retirement, and that's something we have missed for decades in this country. We have shoved retirees off to the side, and since, John, we're getting close to that retirement age, we got to find purpose in our retirement. So we're starting to see a move there. In fact, we started a new podcast. I retire for him. But Martha, we also saw one other huge hole that we're working to fill right now. Well, yeah, you know, there's been this transition over the last several decades from 
women struggling to even be appreciated in their workplace to now embracing it and saying, God has me here on purpose. This is my calling. And that is She Works for Him. That is something new that we've launched because there are a lot of women who know their Bible very well and know that God has a plan for them, but they don't necessarily have the resources of how to live that out in their work, how to live out their faith in their every day. And so um, there's been a real mobilization, I guess I will say, of women coming together in different cities across the country, just saying, you know, just talking with a friend and starting a group and getting connected and networking for the purpose of encouraging each other in their workspace and not and unapologetically. I think we've transitioned from I'm a woman and I work and feeling, you know, apologetic about that to now not only embracing that, but saying God can use that and God's going wants to use it am I willing? Yeah. And then the big question is, you know, if that is your desire, like what does that even look like and how to do that? And something you both did really well in this book is you found, you know, women that have these inspiring, these true stories of things that have, you know, how they've done that. What are some of those stories that you guys have come across that you can share? Well, one of my favorite ones I can relate to is the, because of the fact that as a little girl, I so very much wanted to be that woman in the blue suit that went to the high rise every day for work. So in the book, She Works For Him, which Jim's holding up here in the camera, is this story about Danita Bai and how God actually prompted her to burn one of her blue suits because she was wearing that as her identity. And I'm sure there are many women that can relate to that story, whether it's their uniform, whether it's the way they dress for work or what their career choice is. A lot of us have that, you know, there's a stereotypical uniform that goes with every job that we have, right? Whether it's a, a jacket or an apron or a briefcase or a laptop, whatever it might be. But are we wearing that instead of wearing, you know, the armor of God and being seen through his eyes in a different way or hiding ourselves because of our outward appearance in our work. So that's just one of many of the stories that like in She Works For Him that really gives you a new perspective and a challenge and something to think about and apply in your own life. Well, and here's what I love about that too, because I know Danita and we've interviewed her on this podcast about how do you build that next generation of leader? How do you mentor? How do you disciple? And Martha, I had never heard that story. Yeah. And I love that you kind of go to that root of women and their identity. And I got to tell you something, like I heard something disturbing and I'm sure it cuts across many groups that are not just, you know, honestly, white men in the workplace. It was a friend of mine who's a consultant at McKinsey. And he was looking at women in a position of leadership and how they're perceived. And here's one of the things, because we were talking about women in the workplace to assert themselves, especially from a faith perspective, it probably feels like you have extra barriers, I'm guessing. Because one of the things they found is if you just offer an opinion, people don't always receive it, especially depending on the makeup of who's in the room. But if you just, what they found was if you just, and I've shared this with a few of my clients, if you just start with this one simple phrase, all of a sudden, Barriers come down and the conversation completely changes. And that is, hey, do you guys mind if I share something? What it said to me is there's still dynamics that are just, I think, in how we work and how we interact that are, I think, they're different for women in the workplace 
than men. And a lot of uh, the men probably are like, well, like, really, I don't get that. I share that with them. They're like, oh, yeah, I get that. So what have you what have you both found is, you know, you're talking to some of these women like so she burned her blue suit. Love that. What are some other things that you have both found men and women? You know, I know you guys work across all kinds of different communities that are some of those steps that people can take to really start bringing their faith more fully into what they do. Well, John, in I Work For Him, another one of the three books that we released this summer, we really lay out the, you know, for those Christ followers wanting to know, how do I really put my faith into action in my workplace? That's the question we get asked all the time. How do I do this? We were speaking in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, and that was the question. But how do I do this? So in chapter seven of I Work For Him, we lay out what God showed me over a period of months called the I Work For Him Nation Covenant. It's not a group you join. It's really just a, it's a move between you and God on putting your faith into action. And it starts with remarkably putting on that blue suit. No, just kidding. It starts remarkably. <laughs> Good. Thank you for that. Martha's laughing, but John's like, yeah, you know, Jim, would you move on? Okay. So it starts with prayer because if we want to impact our workplace as a Christ follower, we need to start praying for those people that we work alongside by name each and every day. Does it really change them? No, it doesn't change them. Who's it changed, John? Prayer changes us. John, John's going, I don't know the answer to that question. Could you give me the, yes. the cue prompts, please? It changes our hearts. Jim, we start, you are being feisty today. I am. I told it you I was feisty. feisty. <laughs> I am feisty today. So it starts, it, God starts to shape our own heart to be able to see those people the way he sees them. And it builds empathy in us and mercy in us, which is something I desperately need. And today, apparently my mercy meter is way below zero. So we first start praying for people by name each and every day, but then because that's just one thing, but nobody really knows we're doing it. We've got to start serving people over and above what our job requires us to do. Look for ways to befriend them outside of the workplace. We can have a real relationship. Look for ways to pray with people when we notice they're having a rough day. You know, because John, if you walk into the office, well, just like we started the conversation earlier before we pressed record, I said, you said, how are you guys doing? And I said, we're having a rough day today. You know, and then you sat and listened. In our workplace, somebody comes in and we notice their, their demeanor's changed. And we say, how you doing? And they say, I'm fine. And you really, you respond with that famous line from the Italian job, really? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? How you really doing? Like, well, let me tell you what's going on. And then they tell you. So you sit and you listen. And then you say, thank you for sharing that. Can I pray with you about that right now? And I've never had anybody say no, because when people are hurting, they always want prayer because it is a natural inclination of every human being on the planet to pray. They don't always know who they're praying to, but they have an mm -hmm. inclination to pray, especially when they're hurting. But all of this is capped off by everything about your work should be excellent. You should be the absolute number one employee in your workplace, in your position. Because if we're not, why would anybody care about our faith? So just five simple steps. And if we could get the 55 million workplace believers in the United States of America, putting those into action, our country would be a different place in months. I completely agree with you. And you know what, something about what you said about prayer is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. There's a lot of things I've been praying for about, you know, for a very long period of time, fervently. And some of those things are starting to happen. And what I realized was, because, you know, God says, keep knocking on the door. Right. And as an example, like, what about some of those difficult people? And you're actually praying for that difficult person that they change and nothing's happening and nothing's changing. And these when it feels almost like the prayer, the answer has been delayed and almost feels like it's been denied. 
What I found for myself, you guys, was God was preparing me to actually hear the answer. And the answer in some of these situations was, John, it's not them. John, it's you. And we got to work on this because that situation, that person, that personality who reminds you probably of somebody in your past, as a matter of fact, I know it did, who was a very challenging and hurtful relationship for me. I was bringing in all kinds of junk that had nothing to do with the father or how the father even talks to me. And so this prayer was answered and I've healed a big relationship in my life after a lot of praying for them. And in that, God showed me what I needed to do. And you know what? I don't think they've changed at all, but the relationships totally transformed. And God answered a, a prayer in a way that I never expected. So I love that you guys said that, right? Even just, but how many people out there, even just our coworkers, have anybody praying for them? And Jim, I love what you said. You know, I, you are right. I'm, I saw this modeled to me once. I thought it was beautiful. And now I do it. I was at lunch and we had the waitress came up and she's tattooed and she's got earrings everywhere. And she's talking about her girlfriend. And the guy I'm sitting with just looks up to her with a big smile and just says, hey, um, we're about to, you know, eat, but we're going to, we always pray before we eat. How can I pray for you? And she was totally taken aback. And she literally started like tearing up. And she goes, pray that God answers my prayers. Mm. And then she walked away. And I don't know anything about her. She's not somebody you'd probably typically ask to pray for. And I saw how be what a beautiful gift that was. So I've now made that a practice because he modeled that to me. I've had people, some people like, like, yeah, no big deal. I've had some people just absolutely just asking how I could pray for them was God showing them that he does answer prayers just for that. And so, been, so there's so many little things we can do. Yeah. Imagine that John though. Okay. Just, I'm going to interrupt you because imagine that that's the perfect stranger who happens to be your waiter or waitress at a local restaurant, which we re recommend you everybody go to local restaurants because they desperately need business. True. But when you offer that same thing up, Hey, I've been praying for you, Julie for months. At your work. At work. Julie, we work. I work alongside Julie at work. I don't really because I work alongside Martha at work, but I work. I've been praying for you. Is there anything specific I can pray for you about? All of a sudden, that's somebody you're in a relationship with, and it means even so much more because they know you actually care. So I just don't think we, we don't teach about prayer enough because the power of prayer is in the transformation of our own hearts. And when you look at what our country needs, a country, our country, let's just speak about the pr troubles of the United States of America needs everybody who calls themselves a born again believer to have transformed hearts. We need them to go through a Romans 12 2 transformation where God makes them new and changes the very way they think mm. that's what we need. So when Martha and I were having a rough day today, we stopped and we prayed. It was, a, it was actually more of an argument with the Lord that did today, but it just like we prayed. But that's what our country needs. Our country needs a solution that isn't a politician or a budgetary item, but a reach out to our Heavenly Father. And that's what I work for him. The book is all about is how do we transform our hearts on changing the way we think about our work, connecting our faith at work. That's why we wrote this book. It's for the everyday believer going, how do I live out my faith? And she works for him was embracing the calling as a Christian woman at work. But John, we got to talk about retirees. You know, you and I and Martha, well, we don't, we're not going to disclose Martha's, but we all were the same graduating class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about retirees? 
I mean, how many retirees? Ten years younger than you, brother. I understand. I understand. That would be (laughs) the fact that yes, because she still looks like she's in high school. I get it. Okay. What about our retiree friends? I mean, there's people listening to your podcast today. They're on the verge of retirement, and they're going. Most people know what they're retiring from, but they don't know what they're retiring to. How do we help them? And that's why we wrote the book. I retire for him. Well, I think that it's something that, you know, we tease about people getting close to retirement, but what if we could actually change the way we all think about it while we're still working so that we have that mind shift of what is the next and that next God has a purpose for us in our retirement. And I know purpose is a big word for you, John. So I'm, I'm sure you've thought about this because it doesn't just our purpose doesn't stop when we stop getting that paycheck from an employer or from the business that we built or the whatever endeavors we have that have supported us financially. Financial retirement and lifelong retirement are two very different things. Lifestyle retirement. What is it that God wants us to do? And he doesn't give us all of these lessons that we've learned in our workplaces and the things that we have grown from, the trials, the things that have happened through our life that have made us into who we are today, those aren't all for something to be put on the shelf the day we hang up our hat, you know, for work. And um, I think you said it best. You came up with our retirement. Our re- no, our, no calling. I, our calling doesn't retire when we do. No, I, I got to share something with you. It was one of the most amazing things that happened to me at the end of last year. A friend of mine said, hey, you know what? He called me up. He said, hey, a friend of mine is, has terminal cancer. He probably has a week or two to live. Would you like to interview him on your podcast? And this podcast with Pete is the last podcast he ever did. Eternalleadership.com forward slash 350350. Pete was um, in his late 80s. His calling, Martha, was to equip and inspire people to find their calling and live out their faith in the work they do. He'd been a mentor of thousands of business leaders. Now, so regardless whether he was getting a paycheck or not, that is something that drove him. And he beat cancer like four different times. And finally, I think God said, you know, Pete, I'm bringing you home. And if you guys listen to that interview of somebody who literally um, had about a week to live after we did that recording, his passion, his energy, the peace he had with going home, the peace he had with the relationships with his wife and his kids, because it was a life well lived, was absolutely, I got to tell you, man, he, I want to live, I, when I am his age, and I know the end is near if I have that kind of opportunity, he inspired me to live the life and stay on the path that I've been on since my accident. And you're right. You know what, what I saw in him of a guy who was literally at the end was just not only peace, but fulfillment. And you know what, that's what a calling gives us. That's what a relationship with Christ gives us. That's what being in a community with other people that are also doing this. And I think there's a huge epidemic that you guys are stepping into And if you just took a time and focus on, let's say, my age and older, right, (laughs) although we're all the same age, how many people do you think that are probably over 55 that in the second half of their life that are actually truly would say, you know, I know what my purpose is. I know 
what I'm doing and I know how what this thread looks like from now all the way through retirement to the end. 1%, probably less. Probably I think less. You're right. I think that is an epidemic. And it's I think that's why we actually look at like I love the, you know, the verse that you quoted, you know, in Romans. Part of that is, you know what, do not conform to the patterns of this world. How do we as followers of Christ fall into this pattern of judging people? of criticizing people, of putting people in boxes, of hating on people. And I see it as much from the community, the Christian community as I see it from all kinds of other groups. And it saddens me. And Jim, you intentionally say follower of Jesus. And I know why you do that. Because in my opinion, um, Christianity is a horrible brand. It is. Today it is. Today, Today it is. is. It's a brand that's lost its identity, like Kleenex and make a Xerox. Of course, nobody says Xerox. Anymore, I don't even think we've lost our identity. I think the brand of, like, you guys know the story with my son getting kicked out of a school because he kept a child. It was a Christian school. But that is organized stuff. What you're right. talking about is the heart Religion. of people that are following Jesus, being an ambassador out and when they're at, being a light in the world, transforming their mind and seeking every day, this is part of my prayer, is God, just reveal your will, not for me, but what you're doing in the lives of Jim and Martha, what you're doing in the lives of this company, what you're doing in the lives of the anybody around me, and just show me what I need to do to join you in what you're doing in the world. And like you said, Jim, it might be going to your coworker and just saying, you know what, Martha, I can tell you're having a tough day. Would it be okay with you if I pray for you? Well, that'd be great. Well, how could I pray for you? And what I do with everybody, because I keep one note and I open up and I have a prayer journal. And I learned this actually from somebody that was mentored by Coach Mack, who started Promise Keepers. What he would do is because he knew he couldn't all these prayer requests that would flood in. He wrote everything down by name and date. And he would pray specific things, but then he'd hold every day, he'd lift the whole thing up and just pray for God because he said, you know, everybody in here. But then imagine, though, Martha, if I prayed for you and I looked at my journal and a month later I go, hey, Martha, you know what? That whole thing with the house and you guys moving up to Missouri, I've been praying for you the last month. How's it going? Do you imagine what that would mean to somebody when they go, wow, you know what, Jim, you really care. Now, all of a sudden, you have influence with somebody because you've built a relationship and you've built trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John, I think a lot of people who are in leadership. And, and again, what does it mean to be in leadership? It means you have influence over at least one other person. You're in leadership. And maybe not the way eternal leadership is talking about, because a lot of times you're talking with huge influencers. But so often we miss the fact that what is the one thing that God really wants us to accomplish in this lifetime? Number one is a relationship with him. He's most interested in us and him. Secondarily, it's those he created in his image. And so often we get caught up with doing good things instead of ministering, just befriending the people, loving on the people that he created. And a lot of, you know, retirees gets caught up with, well, how can I, I don't have a lot of money. I can't really make a big difference. What am I going to do? I'm like, you know what? In the book, I retire for him. I wrote from my heart because we live in Florida. We've lived there for 20 years now. Move into a neighborhood full of young people. You know, some, one of the things that the Four Walls Church has done is it's, it's segmented older generations from younger generations and we got to stop that stupidity that's just stupid that's not on a sandwich that's a whole subway long because the young people need the old people in today's world young people don't get access to parents because of divorce they don't get access to grandparents because of divorce or aunts and uncles 
or just proximity. Yeah. You know, they could live far away and it's a different relationship. Right. So build some intentionality into where you live and just the young people of today's world need to learn how to cook, need to learn how to clean, need to learn how to fix stuff other than outside of YouTube. They need to learn how to enjoy life. They need to understand the things that us older people know, but they're not going to say, hey, what do you know about this? They're going to ask YouTube or Google first, but you can develop a relationship with them and get that access point. It's just something about being intentional. And that's really, as Christ followers, that's something we need to raise up our level of intentionality a whole whopping 100% right now. Well, Jim, great example. I'll never forget. I was 27 years old, getting out of the Navy. I didn't want to. I just had my dreams taken away because of an accident I had. I couldn't fly anymore. And a guy who was almost 20 years older than me, or 15 years older than me, I was at a Barnes & Noble bookstore. And he saw me staring at the books. He's like, just came over friendly. He said, what, you know, what, you know, book you're looking to get? It was a business section. I had literally had no clue. All I knew I was getting out of the Navy. I had to start in our career and I didn't even know where to start. I had no help. I had no mentorship. And he recommended a book. And he, he was the principal of a huge school district. And we started getting together for coffee once a month. And he started help just pouring into me selflessly and through that, he helped me get back on track and find work that I liked. But in that gym, there was something special about him. And then he's the guy that led me to my personal faith in Christ. Mm. And what, you know what, imagine if everybody out there just found one person, no matter how miserable or what's going on in your life, every time I've gone out and have my bad day and I sit here and I serve somebody else, you know what, I just feel gooder. It just happens every time. And what if everybody listening just found one person in the next two weeks that you could just go have a conversation with, grab a cup of coffee or jump on a Zoom call and just say, what's going on in your life? Is there, can I either just listen? Is there any way I can serve? Maybe ask some questions, maybe give some advice. And I think if we did that from a place of not trying to get anything out of it, but just to serve others, to love others the way Jesus loved us, that with some other things that you've shared, Jim, could literally slowly be part of this movement that I believe is currently happening, even though you might not see it if you watch the news. So stop watching the news. And I really think God is moving big time right now. And it's our responsibility to make a choice on whether we join him or not. John, we just want to make sure your listeners know, I mean, we're not here to sell books, but there's a lot of them that are really just going, hey, I just want to know my purpose. How do I find out what God really has for me in my work? And so that's why the three books that we wrote, they're all to the everyday believer. I retire for him. I work for him and she works for him. And they're just there to encourage and equip and then connect to ministries that are there to further encourage and equip. We recommend that people go out to iworkrim.com forward slash bookstore and get a copy. And they're the cheapest there. Yes, you can get them on Amazon, but they're cheaper on our bookstore. Yes, you can. But, but and folks, I got to tell you, knowing Jim and Martha for as long as I have, you guys, your hearts, what you do, how you do it, you guys define being all in. And what God has given you, your experiences, the people you've interviewed, the wisdom that you have that is in your books. Folks, I'm telling you, plug in to their podcast, their community. It's the letter I. So I work and then the number four, him, Dot com. So I work number four, him.com. Some amazing resources with the podcast network, the books, buy them there instead of Amazon. Uh, plus Amazon, if you buy a book, you don't even get paid for six months. And 
I got my first royalty check. Like we had a bestseller. I got my royalty check. I'm like, okay, well, I think I'll get a, a double mocha at lot at Starbucks <laughs> with that sucker. I was <laughs> Donna was expecting, you know, maybe a steak dinner, but yeah, we got a coffee. So buy it, buy them directly from Jim and Martha. Uh, but you guys, you know, as we put this together, you guys have clearly connected to your purpose, your calling, you're working in the area of passions. And I know you have good days. Like you said, you came on here, bad days, right? It's just because we're on this path in partnership with the Lord doesn't mean that every day is absolutely just smooth sailing. But with that said, what it's just, you know, maybe other people that can relate to that. What final words would each of you share? Maybe we'll start with Jim and then we'll have Martha close us out. How's that? Ladies first. Oh, you're going to switch first. Okay. first. okay. He just wanted to contradict you, John, because no, that's the kind of relationship be, you guys have. I'm no, trying to be a gentleman. Um, a, final, a final word there would be, you know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the days when we are, you know, you're struggling, whether it's in your work, whether you're just overwhelmed, whether there's things going on in your personal life, go into scripture is important because even just like pulling Romans 12 too, when we're talking about that and the impact that it has, looking at it through the lens of what God really wants in our daily lives can make all the difference. And when we're not doing that, um, it's evident. And it is that living water that really does sustain us. And, um, you know, there are days where I don't do that and I know the difference and the word constantly feeds us. And my words, your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, mm -hmm. you and me, we may be the only Jesus, our coworkers, our employees, our bosses, our vendors, or our customers may ever meet. The job that you hold and the work that you do and the people that you work with, none of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus and you may be their only chance. Yeah, and I want to put an exclamation mark on both of those. I, you know, praying every day and learning how to abide in the Lord. And folks, if you're not familiar with what that really is, just search that study at Ask a Friend. We could do a whole show on that. And Jim, what you talked about too is, you know, I was talking with a good friend of mine, you know what, being uh, that you know, Christ in the workplace does not mean that you're there to proselytize people or hand them the four spiritual laws track and, and pray the sinner's prayer. You know what it is? It's about serving people. It's about loving them. It's about just like Jesus did, meet them at their point of need and serve them. And in that, you'll have a relationship where God can just step in and maybe they open the door for you to share, or maybe they use that to open the door for others, but just do something and something will happen. How's that? And when so, you start praying for people by name every day, things will happen. Yep. All right, you guys keep rocking, keep knocking them alive. Come back anytime. Cause I love hanging out with my buddies from Minnesota. All right. John Thanks, Ramstead, John. thank you. All right. See ya.